Welcome to the show. You are now part of Reveal, the revenue intelligence podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions. It's an unfiltered view of your customer reality. In other words, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people success, deal success, and strategy success. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and they share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. I'm here not only with Devin, but also with Brian and Bill from the Advanced Selling Podcast. If you missed our last episode, what we did was share a bit of opinions versus reality. So this has been a tag team series with the Advanced Selling Podcast and Reveal. We'll talk about the opinions and what we think about a certain topic related to sales on Bill and Brian's podcast. And then on our episode, we actually share the facts and the data, what's actually true. So today we're going to talk about an interesting topic. I think it's probably near and dear to a lot of sales folks' hearts because they've heard this all the time. It's that moment when you are talking to a customer and you hear, I need to think about it. I'm sure your gut just dropped right now. And you felt sick to your stomach. And I think that's what a lot of people feel. That's what we were talking about last time. Mine did. And I'm not even in the sales process, I don't think, right now. Just, still, just <laughs> the words. Like, uh. So just to recap, would love to hear from the two of you on like your quick opinions on what do you think that means for a deal? If you get that, I need to think about it from the prospect. Bill, why don't we start with you? Like, What impact do you think that has on the deal overall? Yeah, my first instinct, having been in sales for uh, hundreds of years, <laughs> is that I've heard that so frequently that, like Brian said, it, it kind of makes my stomach turn, my skin crawl. And I probably get defensive about it, even though it may be a legitimate objection, a legitimate resistance. So I'm sure whatever, however I'm answering that, probably has more to do with me and my traumas in life than it does about this. But I would say that whenever a salesperson gets that, it probably reduces the likelihood of them closing the sale. So I, my, my answer is uh, reduction in close. My opinion is uh, quite similar, although I've only been in sales for 80 years, not 100. Um, <laughs> it's a gut punch. I get a little angry and pissy with the buyer first, then I get mad at myself, and then I think it's always a bad thing. I think it's never good if someone says, I need to think it over. So Fair. you don't run to your boss and say, man, guess what? Get, they, I think we're going to get yeah, it. I think we're they good. They just, he said he's got to think a little bit and I think we're good to go. He was nodding. He had the buy-in signals the, the whole time. Rolls so her I eyes. We're good. Oh, she, yeah. yeah. So Dev, why don't you jump in and, and what did the data actually tell us? It was, uh, it was very surprising. So we looked into this because Ryan, I was somewhere with our CRO and he leans over and he's like, that would be a really good thing for Gong Labs to look into is that objection. I need to think about it. Uh, and so I did. And I was with Bill and Brian. I was like, this is going to be a, you know, open shut case. It's going to be super clear. Um, and that is not the case. That is not the case. In fact, the win rates actually go up just a bit. Just a bit. But here's what I would say. It's so small and nominal that I wouldn't try to hunt it out. Like you said, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't try to say things to get them to want to think about it. Yeah. But the takeaway was it doesn't decline. Like I was expecting a very binary, clear drop in win rates. Yeah. 
And that's not what happened. And so I got the first wave of reporting and I was like, okay, there's got to be something else. Like it can't just be a neutral thing. It feels too much of a gut punch for that to be the case. And so what we then looked at was sales cycle duration. Mm. And that's where the big negative impact comes in because deals are 173% longer when that objection is mentioned. And the reason why is what happens is the buyer says the objection and sellers typically say like, you know, something to, okay, I'll, you know, <laughs> right. I'll email you later. I'll call right. you back. Yeah. Right. And we'll figure it out. Like you go think about it. I'll get back to you. And when it's solved, we'll keep moving forward. And what we saw is the time between the objection being said in the next meeting, right? The setting, the next meeting, it's 55% longer wow. when that objection is said. So instead of setting a concrete next step, buyers go, okay, you go do your thing. You think about it. And then they get into chase mode. And so that's the real thing to look out for is, I mean, obviously we can talk for a second on how to kind of handle the objection, but the big thing is don't take the deal out of your forecast. Don't, don't kill it, but really be mindful of how you follow up to that objection. So your deal stays on track. Is it possible, Devin, that the, you're saying that the deal lengthened by a hundred and some percent when that objection occurred is it possible that it was a self-selecting data set where those deals are longer anyway? Like if, if, I, if it's a quick sale, one call close, is it different than if it's like a six-month long selling cycle with a lot of people? Or, yeah, or can you make question. that connection from that data? Probably not. The data scientists are much smarter than me, and they make <laughs> sure to normalize that data. So it's not if, – if it's an average, we also make sure the groups we look at aren't like – you know, we don't put two-week totally sales different. cycles okay. in with like a yeah. year-long sales cycle. Yeah. So these sales cycles are usually in around like 30 to uh, – 30 days to like six months. Okay. So still, yeah. still a good uh, variety, but we do normalize it to make sure that it's, you know, relative. Okay. You're starting to sound like a data scientist, Dev. I mean, I'm, I just, I'm really good at mimicking what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> he just throws the word normalize around quite yeah. frequently. We normalize the data set. at home. Can I ask you a question about this? This was interesting. That 173% longer is really long. Yeah. That's, if I'm, again, I'm not a data scientist, but that's almost twice as long. That's yeah. three times. Yeah. It's, it's right? almost three times. It's almost three 100% times long. longer yeah. would be twice. Twice. Yeah. yeah. So that to me is the telling problem in this objection, which is what can now to you how to handle, what can the salesperson do mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. make sure that this objection does not skew down? And that is concrete next step, it sounds like, and shrinking yeah. the cycle, right? Dictating the calendar, so to speak. Yeah, so on your podcast, when we were talking about the opinion side, I mentioned that it happens in two specific places. A middle of the funnel, which is like evaluation, presentation mode, and then a secondary, slightly smaller spike during decision-making time, so closing calls. And Sheena was spot on when she was like, well, as a buyer, I actually have something to think about. The difference is like in the middle of an evaluation, people actually need to think through things. They might need to think of who else needs to be involved. How do I buy this type of software for the first time? Gong's growing like crazy. Our procurement process changes every six months. So we genuinely need to think about it. I usually go call Sheena. She's usually involved. And we have to figure it out. So there's a big difference there in how you handle it. And so the key is, you know, there's an unspoken objection. Sheena, that's what you're kind of talking about. Yeah. And something I don't know that I have to solve. So it's not like, hey, I need time to go solve two plus two. Give me a, give me a couple of days. It's I need to go figure out what the equation is that I'm even solving. And then I need to solve it. And I think that's where salespeople end up chasing because they put a lot of that 
on the buyer to go solve. And then they expect, I'll just follow up in two weeks. Sheena will get it figured out and we'll be right back on my sales process. That's why it's 300%. Hmm. It seems like the lesson here for all of us, though, is not, well, that's just the way buyers are today. That's not the lesson. The lesson is, how can you help the buyer or your prospect so that you don't get this answer? Because you really still don't want this. You don't want this because it's, it's tripling the length of your sales cycle. So this is not good from a turnover. That's people mm-hmm. staying at the restaurant for four hours. We can't turn the tables. Mm-hmm. And so... I think we, even though it has no negligible effect other than it lengthens the sales cycle, I still think we need to figure out ways that it won't happen. The other thing that I'll say about like the how can sales folks help the buyers, I don't, buyers don't know how much sales folks can actually help them. They don't know, they don't always know that they can be providing documentation or examples of how prior customers have done this or uh, best practices or reference calls. Buyers don't know all the breadth of all these different things that are available. Um, so be helpful. Don't Absolutely. assume that the buyer is going to come Absolutely. and ask you for the thing that they need. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know. That's the part of this episode that I listened to on a loop. If I were a salesperson, what you just said, Sheena, is brilliant. And I think salespeople just think, okay, I'll just wait. Even if they set the next date, they just sit there and wait and go, yeah, I've got a closing call with Sheena on you know Friday the 28th. And you do nothing in between to help Sheena. Right. And Sheena, you buy mostly. We talked about last episode, right? More than sell. And so there's a great lesson from someone who buys a lot of stuff, I'm guessing. Yeah. That's my advice, right? Is get that unspoken objection. Hey, hey, Sheena, it totally makes sense. What exactly are you unsure about? Maybe I can help. And she might need time to say, well, let me think for a second. Like, what exactly? You know, let me verbalize it. Set a time. Hey, would it make sense for us in five days to set a meeting and just talk about that? Get some documentation in the meantime, right? So help her educate herself, give her what she needs and any other buyer, and then put time on the calendar quickly just to talk about that objection. I think that's how you shift from being a sales professional to a a strategic advisor. Right, for sure. And someone who can guide. Yes. For the folks listening, we put something together because the last person I want to hear this from, I need to think about it, is a CFO. If you get to a CFO and you miss the mark or they need, they have an unspoken objection, that's not what you want to hear. So what we're going to do is put this in the show notes. We created a CFO letter template. It's a fill in the blanks template. You print the, you know, download this thing, you fill in the blanks with your buyers, and then you send it with your CF to their CFO or present it to their CFO. And I actually created it with our CFO. So I went to him and I said, how do you make decisions? Why do you say yes? Why do you say no? And he helped me outline this whole thing. So it's literally, I think there's like five blanks, fill this thing out. It is our second most downloaded piece of content, like 12,000 sales pros before to use this thing. So go ahead and take a look. It is in the show notes, download it, share it with your friends and revenue and go close some deals. We're going to be back next week on the advanced selling podcast to look at another opinion, which will be, should you use slides in your discovery calls? Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. 